Thank you, Jeremy and Amy, team. Before I bring the message, I want to just uh, bring you up to date, uh, not just for those of you here in the sanctuary, but so many uh, leading the way partners who are watching us around the world. And uh, many of you would remember that three years ago, God gave us a vision. It's called 2025, seven-year vision. And the goal is to reach one million souls They'll come to Christ. And we had seven initiatives in, these, uh, in this vision, uh, expanding our media outreach, which more than doubled since then. And uh, we launched the Finding True Peace. Some of you have seen those spots on television. Uh, we had over 130,000 people who came to visit that website. Amen. Amen. And God is, basically we had all uh, six of the seven initiatives uh, began in earnest, and the seventh one was for me to be on the road conducting face-to-face -face evangelistic outreach. But we prayed for the opportunity and God's timing, as we do with everything here. Those of you around for a long time, you know, we don't try to run ahead of the Lord, and we don't want to lag behind Him. And so, in God's timing, I believe that for that mammoth task, we're going to need somebody who has a great deal of experience and knowledge about this uh, conducting of these events and the follow-up and so on. And after we prayed and uh, sought the Lord for so long, um, God raised that man who had more than 23 years' experience with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and then before that was Promise Keepers. And uh, we've been talking for a number of years, but we know that it is God's timing right now. So as of today, the Reverend Chad Hammond uh, is going to start to lead that mammoth effort, not only evangelistic outreach in the United States, but around the world. And... And it is a delight to introduce to you the Reverend Chad Hammond and his wife, Heather, who are with us today. Would you please stand? We welcome you. And to show you how small the kingdom of God is, when Chad was an athlete in high school, he went to FCA a retreat or meeting, and guess who was speaking, giving a testimony? It was Monty Johnson. <laughs> and so, Monty's sitting in the middle there, Chad. I want you, he, he'll look for you at the end of the service. <laughs> and so, we thank God for the seeds that were planted those many years ago, and now they came all full fruition for the blessing, not only of this church, but leading the way around the world. So, we give God glory. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. Yeah, that's right. Lord, I've never been ceased, and I hope I'll never cease to be amazed by Your amazing grace, Your amazing hand, Your incredible sovereignty in touching lives in ways that we cannot even fathom at times. And I join with John Morris as he prayed this morning that we would uh, truly 
seek the power of the Holy Spirit, not just in the speaking, but in the listening as we receive from Him. And so, Father, I pray that You would hide Your servant completely so that people would not hear a man, but would hear only Jesus. For it is in His name I pray. Amen. There is a, a very, very familiar sentence that kids often use and parents detest. Now, what is that? I am bored. <laughs> now, parents, I'm not going to get into this, but let me give you a freebie on the house here. Have a list of chores ready. So as soon as I'm bored, he said, here you go. And uh, that keeps him busy. That will remove boredom. <laughs> but the truth is, children are not the only ones who experience boredom in life. Adults get bored too. The thing about children is because they are more innocent and less guarded they blurt it out. <laughs> uh, they verbalize it. Uh, they articulate it. Adults, on the one hand, on the other hand, uh, they mask their boredom. <laughs> Adults often express their boredom by moving from one thing to another, from one interest to another. Adults deal with their boredom by seeking new and exciting experiences. They mask their boredom by uh, becoming professional shoppers, and they end up buying things you don't need. I'm going to move very quickly because I'm going to get into more trouble than I'm already in. Others master boredom by being busybodies and getting in people's lives and, and, and getting things that they have no business getting into. Others still master their boredom by hopping from one relationship to the other, and yet still others. It takes it to extreme. Mask their boredom by changing spouses thinking that the next one is going to give them fulfillment, and they just create a trail of tragedies. Please believe me when I tell you that there are Christians who actually get bored with their Christian life, seen it through the years of ministry. Uh, the way they express their boredom by changing churches every couple of years. They hop from seminar to conference uh, to some new exciting ministry. They keep going around and hopping from one Christian guru to another. <laughs> uh, they are looking for the latest trend and the latest book and the latest person who's going to help them solve their problems. Hear me right, please. They don't understand that books and preachers and teachers and seminars and conferences, helpful as they are, none of them can solve the problem. There's only one cure to spiritual boredom, and it is growing in your love for Jesus Christ every day, every day. For those who were not here, I want to reiterate how I ended up with this new series that I'm going to share with you beginning today. We have just finished, for those who have not been here, 
We just finished a series of messages on the seven letters that the resurrected, glorified Jesus sent to His seven churches in Asia Minor, which they represented all churches, all time, all places, in all circumstances. And we've been looking through those seven churches and all those letters that come out of the heart of the resurrected, glorified Jesus to these believers in those towns. And when I was studying the first epistle, the first letter to the church in Ephesus, as I was pouring on to studying into that church, and I noticed there's one thing that was an active church. That was a great church, but the one thing that Jesus had against them was that they have forsaken their first love. Their, their first love for Jesus cooled off, whatever the circumstances may be. Oh, they were doing, they were serving, they were ministering, they were active, they were every, they were doing all the right things. But the one thing that they're supposed to do, the love for Jesus went by the wayside in their walk and in their life. And back then, I remember when I was studying that passage, I literally poured in tears. And then I was convicted to do this series of how we grow our love for Jesus every day. So you can literally look back and say, I love Jesus more today than yesterday. Because in the Christian life, you either go backward or you go forward. You can't stand still. And that is why we're going to learn together. In the next six messages, we're going to be learning together how to go forward in your love for Christ, how to fall in love with Jesus, and not just stay in love with Jesus, but grow in your love for Jesus, how to daily discover, daily discover ways by which you fall in love with Jesus all over again, how to become a red hot for Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. But before I get there, I want you to be aware of the fact. There are some people today who confuse the church of Jesus Christ, that is the elect of God from every tribe, every nation, every language, uh, with the local church. Don't make that mistake. Don't confuse those two. The Bible makes it very clear in the distinction. We're talking about the church in Ephesus or when we talk about the church of Jesus Christ. And so, be very careful when you read the Scripture, be careful in your thinking to make that distinction between the church of Jesus Christ, the universal universal global church, and the local church. Why I'm saying this? Because there are some local churches that can truly bore you to tears. (laughs) I'm aware of the fact that there are some churches that are so ritualistic that you literally can get lost in the mumbo-jumbo. There are some churches that are so deep into entertainment and make you feel good about yourself uh, that the Word of God literally gets lost in the shuffle. There are some local churches that deliberately uh, want you to feel that you're coming into a theater. And so they don't call the congregation congregation, they call them an audience. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. And this is not a pulpit they call the stage. And while they don't verbalize it, they really want to say the preacher is an actor. And some of them are. 
I even heard about two of those pastors who competing with each other. Who's going to do more entertainment, more choreography, more stuff in the uh, entertainment and, 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 and presentation, and they're going to outdo each other, and, and, and finally they, they, they would get together, and then they brag about the numbers. And one of those times when they got together, one of the pastors said to the other, he said, you know, the other day, I glued the, the crowd to their seats. And the other one said, how clever of you. <laughs> You'll get that tomorrow morning for breakfast. <laughs> Vance Havner, the great evangelist of yesteryears, tells a story about one of those dry, dead churches. The pastor was in the grocery store, and he ran into one of his parishioners, and uh, he said, Bob, I haven't seen you in church lately. He said, well, you know, the kids were sick, and then it's rained, and it's rained, and it's rained. Every Sunday it's rained. And he said, but it's always dry in the church. He said, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. I actually know people. I'm not going to tell you who, but I know people who actually think the dollar the service is, <laughs> the more spiritual it is. <laughs> Beloved, listen to me. All of that will lead to cooling off of your love for Jesus. That's why I made the distinction between the church of Jesus Christ and the local church. The truth is, when you are so in love with Jesus, and you're growing in that love every single day, neither the entertainment on the one hand, or the dull experience on the other really is the answer. Neither the dullness nor the entertainment will help you grow in your love for Jesus. Listen to me very carefully. It is an established fact, it's an established fact that in your growing in your love for Jesus, it is not only going to sustain you regardless of the circumstances, but it's going to make you effective wherever you will go. I want to submit to you that the root cause for boredom in the Christian life is lukewarmness in your love for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Some of you will say, Michael, wait a minute, Michael, wait a, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love Jesus. I, I, I read the Bible regularly. I have no, decent knowledge of the Scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm stickler for accurate doctrine. Uh, uh, I even memorize the Scripture. Wonderful. Please, 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 don't stop. Don't stop. Wonderful. Wonderful. The problem with the church in Ephesus, it was a church was doing all of that, all of that. And here Jesus says, I have this one thing against you that you have forsaken. You have lost. You cooled off your love for Jesus. Others may say, well, you know, Michael, you don't understand. I'm into the deeper life. I'm into the exchange life. I'm into the victorious life. I'm into the upward call. I'm into the higher goal. Great. Wonderful. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, these are names of ministries that have come and gone. Some of them are still around. <laughs> Great as all of these are, but that's not what I'm talking about. 
And that's not what I'll be talking about in the next several messages. Head knowledge, head knowledge of the Bible must not be our ultimate goal. Healing your past memories of past uh, troubles should not, should not be your ultimate goal. That's the product. So the question is this. How do I love Jesus today more deeply than yesterday? How do I love Jesus more fully today than yesterday? How do I love Jesus more intimately today than yesterday? How do I love Jesus more uniquely today than yesterday? Why should that be your ultimate goal? Why would that should be the ultimate, the ultimate for everyone, not just for people in ministry, everyone? Listen carefully. Because when you daily grow in your love for Jesus, all these other things are going to fit in place. They're going to fit in place. But not the other way around. Lots of people try to put the horse in front of the cart. They've got the right ingredients, but they have them in the wrong place. And that is why having all of the problems we have today in the churches is because people are not placing their love for Jesus above everything else, unknowing that everything else will fit in once the love for Jesus is in its rightful place. And we're going to be unpacking this for the next six messages. Now, the verse I want you to drink deeply from, not just today, but in the coming days, drink deeply. It, it, it literally a verse that will change your life. It's Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8. I regard, I consider everything. Can you say everything? everything. Can everyone say everything? everything. As loss nothing, as nothing, because of the surpassing value of loving or knowing Jesus Christ. The truth is you can literally take the rest of your life and pack this verse, one verse. Why? Because until you're able to say, I regard everything. Can you say it again? Everything. Everything. My job, my money, my possessions, even my life. Uh-oh, I'm stepping on some toes. I know. I know. Did you get that? Even life. Beloved, listen to me. I think COVID-19 had shown us how difficult even strong Christian believers, including life, in that word, everything, And that little virus has kept people prisoners inside their minds. Beloved, your day of death is appointed in heaven, and you cannot change that. Your, your worry and your anxiety will not change that. It is appointed at once. It's appointed. It's a day written in heaven. 
And until you get to the depth of understanding that when you call everything, including life itself, you have not begun your love for Jesus. If you place everything on one side of the scale, including life, and loving Jesus on the other side of the scale, find out which one that tips in. Which one is going to tip over the other? Until you come to that point, you have not begun to know what it means to absolutely be in love with Jesus. Listen, please listen to me. I, I, I'm, I'm always transparent with you. There are some people in this congregation, they told me so, so that's okay, that I'm, I'm flippant about life. I'm really not flippant at all. <laughs> it's just their understanding. They think I'm flippant about it. I'm not flippant about life. Uh, and when I, I, say, I say every morning, hey, thank God, somebody says amen. <laughs> Even a child. Even my dear wife tells me, don't say that. Every morning I get up and say, I got my, my spiritual bags packed. When he calls me home, I'm ready to go. She said, well, don't talk about that because, you, that, you know, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you something. Next month we celebrate 50 years of marriage. I love her more today than before. But I can tell you as God is my witness, as much as I love my family, as much as I love you, I do not consider my life to be more valuable than my love for Jesus. Listen, listen. I know we're Americans, right? We're Americans. Where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is it, right? I told you I'm stepping on some toes. Some of you are going to learn some dancing steps that you haven't learned because I'm stepping on your toes. Let me ask you to do something. Close your eyes just for a minute. Nobody's going to steal your stuff. Just, just close your eyes for a minute. <laughs> this is not a trick. This is not a trick. Just close your eyes for a minute. And just ask yourself the question, what is the one thing, what's the one thing that I value the most, including life itself? Open your eyes. The answer is yours. It's between you and God. Nobody else needs to know that. But I'm here to confess to you, I've always done that, and I always will, God help me, that in my own life, I haven't always said or practiced that everything is nothing, is rubbish in relationship to my love for Jesus. It wasn't always the case. It really wasn't. And I'm, you know, I'm always, always up front with you. When I was a young man, more than anything in life, I wanted to earn a doctorate. That was everything to me. More important than I can even express or explain to you. And was not just any old doctorate. It had to be a PhD from a reputable university. That was just the goal that I have. Now, the reason why I was driven to do that, uh, and I'm not going to get into it, but it was I wanted to prove to my dead parents that I'm as good as my older siblings, because forever they didn't think so. And I wanted, but, but I won't get into that now. One day I might share all that with you, but in order to help some of you, because probably some of you are still trying to prove yourself to your dead parents, 
now I can look back and I understand why that ultimate goal, I'm thankful for the, for the knowledge. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not pooing it, but I'm thankful for the knowledge. But I understand as I look back why that was the driving factor in my life. But now that I've accomplished that and I graduated in 1984, I can tell you as God is my witness, I consider it to be that less than rubbish in comparison with my love for Jesus. Now, some of us who are in ministry, listen to me, listen to me, some of us in ministry, whether preaching, and there are many preachers are watching around the world, literally, whether it's preaching or teaching or serving in any ministry, 80% of this congregation is involved in some ministry of some sort. Thank God this is an amazing place. Whatever ministry you are involved in, here's what I want to warn you. Listen carefully. We all, including this preacher, we're all vulnerable to the temptation of confusing ministry with loving Jesus. I am convinced as I'm standing before you today, I am convinced that God cares more about His children loving Him than what they're doing for Him. You see, when you love Him, you're going to do everything that He wants you to do anyway. Now, remember, God, we've seen that before in the, when I was doing the series on, from Matthew. Not a glass of cold water is wasted on God. Not a glass of cold water. But in the ultimate sense, He values our love for Him more than what we can do for Him. Remember Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10? What was Martha doing? She working the finger to the bone. Was she doing something bad? No. She was cooking a meal for Jesus. She was cooking a meal for Jesus. And then she looked at her, appeared to be super spiritual sister, Mary. <laughs> and she was getting absolutely livid. I'm working, I'm cooking, I'm doing all this. And look at her, she's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she tried to enlist Jesus to take her side. <laughs> she said, tell her, tell her. Here's what Jesus said in verse 41 and 42, Luke 10. Martha, Martha, you are distracted by too many things. Mary has chosen what is better. Beloved, listen to me. When you really love Jesus, you're going to do His will in your life anyway. When you really love Jesus, you're going to serve His purpose in your life anyway. When you really love Jesus, you're going to be faithful in serving Him anyway. Don't put the horse in front of the cart. Several years ago, I began to take time, and I still do to this day, on a regular basis, I take time, and I literally 
Do self-examination. That's what the Bible said. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Why? It's very important for you to take time and examine yourself. And, 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 and this is the question I ask myself. Do I love the ministry? And I love the ministry. Don't misunderstand me. More than I love Jesus. Do I love serving Jesus more than I love Jesus? Ask yourself that question. And beloved, let me tell you, sometimes the Holy Spirit convicts me and I have to make corrections. See, when I compare loving Jesus every day more deeply than the day before, more than anything, I find that helps me to think in the following way, how permanent He is and how temporary everything else is. Let me stop here for a moment and call station identification or reality check or call it whatever. I'm going to tell you why. Because I know, I know that most preachers, including this one, <laughs> tend to get carried away and make hard things sound easy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I try not to fall in that trap. I really do. But I'm sure I have fallen into it several times. But if you think that you're the only one who's tempted to place other things or other people above your loving for Jesus, think again. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. And beloved, it is not a walk in the park. And say, I, I want to make sure that I'm not going against my advice. Because I've got news for you. If you think that I am saying this is easy, this is a walk in the park, you have seriously misunderstood me. I'm going to come to that. In fact, I'm going to, as I told you, I'm going to spend several weeks talking about that. I'm going to tell you throughout this series how to go about it. And most of it and come from the Word of God, of course, but also my experience. See, the deeper I grow in my love for Jesus, the hotter the temptation for distraction. Now, you would think the other way around, right? Right? No. I used to think that. I really did. I thought the, the, the deeper I walk in my love for Jesus, the deep, more I grow in my love for Jesus, the easier the temptation. No, it's not. The deeper I grow in my love for Jesus, the harder, the tougher, the hotter the temptation. The question becomes, how do I overcome these temptations? How do I overcome these temptations? How do I regularly choose to love Jesus every day, more than the day before? First, I need to tell you that you cannot grow in your love for Jesus simply by amassing head information about Jesus. You cannot grow in your love for Jesus by seeking one new spiritual experience after another. You cannot grow in your love for Jesus by merely hearing sermons or reading books about Jesus. Believe it or not, 
loving Jesus begins, are you listening? Say amen. I want to make sure you're listening. It begins by being dissatisfied with your current state of love for Jesus. Now, I'm not asking you to agree, but have I told the truth? That's where it begins. If you're smug and satisfied where you are, God help you, (laughs) because nobody else can. Loving and growing in love with Jesus begins by your yearning to know and experience and love Him more than anything in life. Paul's deepest longing and prayer for the church in Ephesus, the same church that motivated me to do this series I'm going to show you, he writes to them in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. His prayer is that they will be able to comprehend the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of Christ for them. Isn't it amazing that 20, 30 years later, that same church that Paul was praying for them, that they will comprehend the love of Christ, because when you comprehend the love of Christ, you love Him back. That same church, same church, 30-some years later, get a letter from Jesus and saying to them, I have this one thing against you. You have forsaken your first love because they took their eyes of the love of Jesus. Until you come to the point of stop bragging about your biblical knowledge and cry out to him and say, Lord, my love for you is so pathetic. Lord, my personal knowledge of you is so superficial. Lord, my apprehension of your person is so shallow. Lord, my time with you is so one-sided. Lord, my desire for you is just to give me what I'm asking for. Lord, my encounters with you are limited to when I need you. Lord, I have not loved you anywhere near you loved me. That's where it begins. Satisfaction. Holy satisfaction, dissatisfaction, holy dissatisfaction. Until you come to the point of dissatisfaction with your current condition in your growing love for Jesus, you haven't begun yet. That's good news. You have the chance to start today. If you look intently, and carefully into the, our precious Lord's earthly life and ministry, you're going to discover that He always longs to nourish our minds with His truth, that He always longed to raise our imagination uh, uh, to new heights, that He always longs to open our hearts to His love. He always longs for us to surrender our will to His purpose. He longs uh, to allow us, for allow His holiness to challenge the way we conduct our lives. Until you come to that point, that holy dissatisfaction, you will continue in your spiritual boredom. And nothing, nothing is going to cure that spiritual boredom 
not activities, not activism, not books, not sermons, not teaching, not gratifying of the flesh and doing what you want to do. In fact, all of that in the long run exacerbates your spiritual boredom. Why? Because our deepest longing, our deepest longing can only be satisfied with deeper love for Jesus. Into the de- to comp- by the time you comprehend the width and the height and the depth and the breadth of His love for you, you cannot help it but fall in love with Him. And having done that, then begin to love Him with greater intensity every day. We saw in the last message the letter of the resurrected, glorified Jesus to the church in the city of Laodicea. Those of you who are here and those of you who are not can download it. We saw in that message that it was the spiritual smugness, the self-satisfaction that actually made Jesus sick and he wanted to vomit them out. Think about this with me as I'm coming toward the end. God called Abraham out of Ur of Chaldeans to Canaan. And God said to him, leave everything behind, and I'm going to take you into an uncertain future. Now, what do you think about this? I'm grateful to the Lord. I've done that three times. <laughs> I left everything behind. And I know my wife and family paid the price of some of that. But what an uncertain future. What a magnificent future that was. Uncertain as it was at the time. What I don't want you to forget is this. Abraham did not have a Bible. He did not have a Bible study to go to. He did not have a home group Bible study to go to. He did not have a pastor. He did not have Christian friends. He did not have 2,000 years of Christian history. Abraham died 2,000 years before Christ, and yet God privileged him to see the day of Christ prophetically, supernaturally. In fact, I think Abraham did not know a great deal about God because his ancestors, people he lived with, they were idol worshipers. And yet he trusted God. He trusted Him. When he said, leave everything, come to an unknown future, he trusted Him. And that is the beginning of your love for Jesus, trusting Him trusting Him. And not in one area or two areas, in every area of life. And then he kept on growing. He kept on growing in his love for God. The question is, are you willing to give up everything? Did you hear what I said? Did did you hear what I said? I know some of you misunderstood me. I know that. Let me repeat it. Are you willing? I didn't say, are you ready? Because I see some of you bristled. See, <laughs> so what is he up to now? Are you willing? In fact, there's an old preacher who used to say, Are you willing to be made willing? 
Abraham was willing. When he acted on that willingness to take Isaac, the son of promise, God said, hey, I gave you Isaac. I don't want him. I just saw that your willingness is for real. Abraham said, hey, he gave him to me. I said, am I going to resurrection for the first time in the New Old Testament? Are you willing? And don't ever forget, don't ever forget that God has given you everything you have. Take a deep breath with me. That's a gift from God. He just gave every one of us. Including the breath we have is a gift from God. Abraham's obedience came out of love for God. Trusted him completely. And God blessed him out of his socks. Now, I cannot get around the fact Abraham did not know where he was going. He's never been outside of his country. But he began by willingness to surrender. I don't know what God is asking you to be willing to surrender. I, I don't know. This is between you and God, okay? Is it something tangible? It's a re- is it a relationship that doesn't belong? I don't know. It's between you and God. Is it nursing of a resentment that you held into, onto for years and years and you're refusing to let go? You know that between you and God. Let me conclude by telling you this story. Francis Havergal came from a very wealthy family in England, and she was thoroughly converted to Christ, has written some amazing hymns. In fact, we're going to be singing one of her songs after this message when we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table. She wrote the hymn, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. I was going to sing it, but I didn't want to threaten our musicians, you know, because they, they, they get very threatened very easily by my gift of singing. She wrote the song, and throughout the years, after the song was out being sung by many people, the Holy Spirit kept pointing to her special collection of jewelry. I told you, she comes from a very well-to-do family. She had a box of precious jewels, really beautiful jewels, expensive jewels. And the Holy Spirit kept pointing that. That's holding you back. That's holding you back. Finally, she surrendered and she said, okay, Lord. She picked up a couple of pieces that are, have a family sentimental uh, memory and she put the rest in the box and she walked down to CMS office, Church Missionary Society. For those who don't know, CMS took the gospel to Africa and Asia. And today, the reason we have vast majority of evangelical Anglicans anywhere in the world and in Africa because of the work of CMS. And so she walked in the office of CMS and she handed her precious jewels. Then she came home 
and immediately wrote an extra stanza of the last one. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite will I withhold. And that song has blessed millions of people around the world. I don't know. It's between you and God. Make this to be our altar call as you come and you pick up the container of the bread and, and wine and, 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 and sit in your seat and say, Lord, you shed your blood for me. You redeemed me. Of all the people of the world, you look down and you say, you come to me, and you open my spiritual eyes to realize that I'm a sinner heading for hell, and that you are saving me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Help me to love you with all of my heart. Will you bow with me as we pray? Father of heaven, the old man, Archbishop Cranmer, wrote this prayer back in the 1500s. O God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that we may perfectly, perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all of God's people said amen. amen. As we prepare our hearts, I'm going to invite all our communion ministers to come at this time and as we prepare our hearts to remember the breadth and the width and the height of His love that was manifested on the cross of Calvary. Please, the Holy Spirit is the one. Go between. He takes your prayers to heaven. He brings the answer back. Then you do business with Him. We know that the Word of